0: celebrating week two of our series on love. And last weekend, Pastor Rob taught an incredible message. Uh, how many are part of Marriage Night? Were you here at Marriage Night? Kind of shout at me a little bit if you were. Wasn't well, it good? Yeah, just, uh, I was flying back from Colorado. My wife Jane was there and, and told me uh, just it was just an incredible night. So you know that we are blessed this weekend at all of our campuses to welcome uh, John and Helen Burns and they are incredible mi- ministers of the gospel. Pastors have a heart for couples and marriages and men and women and just finding our place in Christ and being all that God has called us to be. And we are truly privileged to have them just here sharing with us and partnering together with us. So I want you to give a big, warm River Valley welcome to Helen Burns as she comes to share God's Word. Hello, River Valley. How are you tonight? It may be cold outside, but it's sure warm in here. You know what? We're from Vancouver, and I think when... I know we go by Celsius, but when it's raining out and it's about zero, we're a whole lot colder than you are, so uh, us Canadians are tough and hardy, too. We can do it. So can do it. Anyhow, it is the greatest privilege and honor to be here. John and I love your church. We we feel very extraordinarily blessed to be here. I've heard about your church now for a number of years as one of my best friends in the whole world is the wonderful Lindsay Willis. And uh, I know she's fantastic, and she is one of my closest confidants, closest friends. My grandchildren and children kind of look at her like an auntie in their life, and uh, we adore her and are so thankful for her influence. But it's been wonderful to grow with you in our our relationship with Lindsay. So it is an honour and privilege to be here tonight. And I don't take lightly this platform. This is a great platform. It's a great church, and I feel very, very honored to be here. So congratulations, all you Saturday night folk out here hungry for the word of God. Are you all good? Oh, I know you are. I hear you're the wild ones. Is it true? I knew it. Those are my people. Be wild and crazy. I'm a wild and crazy grandma. I've been married to that gorgeous man over there. Stand up, take a bow. Look at that boy. I know. I know. 37 years. I've known him a lot longer than that. We met in high school. I was in grade 10 when I laid eyes on him. He was the middle linebacker on the football team, and I was the head cheerleader. (laughs) Yes, I was. I know it's hard to believe, but I was. (laughs) And I said, boy, that Johnny Burns is cute, and somebody told Johnny Burns that I said that, so he asked me out, and I said yes. And so we got married, and that was a good thing. And uh, and we went into marriage with big dreams in our hearts. I was the ripe age of 18, and he was 21. So we were pretty stupid, but uh, (laughs) really, really liked each other. We didn't know a whole lot, but we really, really liked each other. And ours is really a story of God's amazing grace. And I want to talk to you today about building and protecting homes and, and cherishing family. And I know that in this room would be people in every different situation. Some of you are here and you're married and loving it. Some of you are here and married and not loving it so much right now. Stay tuned. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Some of you are believing to get married someday. Some of you are like not sure how you feel about it. And, and I, we're gonna talk, I'm going to talk along the lines of marriage and family. But I just want to bring encouragement to you that wherever you are today in this journey, God always has a promise. He teaches us in Ephesians 3.20 that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond your wildest dreams and expectations. And you know, there was a day when our marriage was very broken, 33 years ago, which seems like yesterday in some ways and a lifetime ago in other ways. Very broken. Here we had a little family. Everything should have looked perfect. He was a newly um, uh, He was a brand new dentist. Life seemed perfect. We had a brand new practice. He had a brand new practice. they had built a brand new home. Everything on the outside looked great, but the inside was not so beautiful. But God moved into my mess, into our mess. And because we started to build on truth and and on, on the word of God, God took our absolutely broken life and gave us a hope and a dream. But you know what? I could never have dreamt that it'd be this good. You know what the good news is? We've got a long way to go because the best is yet to come. And I anticipate an an incredible future, but I want to speak to and bring just some values and some treasures, if you will, that are important to me. And I hope by sharing just some of the things that John and I have really placed a high value on, 37 years down the road, loving life, loving God more than ever, loving each other more than ever, we have three daughters, Angela, Danica, and Ashley, and, and Angela's 36, and, and Danica's 35, and Ashley's 33, and we're building this amazing church. We have six incredible grandchildren. Our oldest granddaughter will turn 16 in, in just, over, just under two weeks, and I have to really look up to her because she's six feet tall, and she loves to wear heels. So the little brat, I just have to keep looking up to her. She's gorgeous and amazing, and they love church, and they love God. And that it just doesn't get better than that. And I want to share with you some of the things that have helped establish a healthy foundation for us to build on. We, don't, we, we, we know the truth and all truth and all that we build it. The building materials I want to build with are the Word of God. Because when it's built on the Word of God, it's going to stand. And without it, it's going to fall. And in our, in our journey, when our life just started to come back together, we were living in... Separate cities for a while, and God began to put our life together, placed us in a great church. Never, ever undervalue what's happening tonight. Church is so core to building a fantastic marriage, a fantastic life, a fantastic family. I believe church is the answer to really be a light shining in this crooked and perverse world. We get to be a part of building something great. Churches, though, are made up of individuals and families that are all wanting the same thing, and that's the purpose of God. But John and I found ourselves in a great church and began to apply the Bible to our lives. And early, early, early in my journey with God, wanting to see restoration and, and our marriage rebuilt, I found this amazing scripture in the Amplified Version. And today, this scripture graces my home. It's a piece of art in my home because it's so important to me. Let me share it with you. It's found in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. And it says, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built, and by understanding it is established on a sound and a good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. How beautiful is that? When I read that, I went, that's mine. I'm kind of like a pit bull, only I wear lipstick. (laughs) When I find something in the Word of God, I can get feisty. And I'll go, that's mine. Because that is one promise I can stand on. There'll be presidents and want to be presidents. And there will be leaders. And there will be people on television promising you things. But I'll tell you what, they can't deliver the way God can deliver. And you want to build according to truth. And God's word will stand through every test and every trial. And every time I read that scripture, I never tire of it because it's through skillful. Skillful is important, church. You don't just do what feels right. You do what is right. You don't just build a house any way that looks or feels right. You build it according to skill. But through skillful plus godly wisdom, you can build a home, a life, and a family and know that God, that it is, God is, going to, is going to be on a good foundation and every area will be filled with precious and pleasant riches. You know what? When it comes to even marriage, you don't get lucky and find the right one. Because that's not how you build a great relationship. There's no such thing as luck involved, but there's skillful and godly wisdom. And if some of you think, oh, I married the wrong person. Often people feel like that, myself included. But when you go back to the foundation and build on skill uh, with skillful and godly wisdom, you can overcome anything. You really, really can. Ann Landers, who was a columnist a 1,000 years ago when I was a teenager, she said, a great relationship is not a gift. It's an achievement. And I believe that. It's not something that you just get handed. It is a gift. My relationship is a gift. But it wasn't handed to me. We've built it together. with with a heart committed to one another and the purposes of God. So I want to just share a few thoughts that have become very central to John and I, building our home, building our marriage, and uh, what that has helped us stand the test of time. Where I don't feel today afraid of the future, but I'm so excited about the future. You know, we sang that song about the light shining, let the light shine through us. And as we were singing, I thought, that's such a beautiful truth. That when we, as Christian men and women of God, stand up not perfect, but stand up and let his light shine through our relationships. It's a picture of God. The Bible teaches us, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, by the way you love one another. That we can become beacons of life and light in a really dark, hopeless world. A lot of people have given up on relationships because relationships are a lot of work. If you think about the pain in your life, most of the pain that we deal with in life is because of unhealthy or difficult relationships. And so we need to learn as the body of Christ how to build according to God's plan and be that light shining. When the world has given up, say, oh no, there's a better way, and it's God's way. We have great opportunities to let our light shine. The number one thing that John and I decided Now, we've been married for 37 years ago, but 33 years ago, we made a commitment that we are going to make our marriage and our family a priority. Understand in everything that I say, because I think I've already said it, God is the foundation. It's not John and I building it. We're building it through God's wisdom. But of course, God is, he's central. He's in the middle of it all. But John and I decided that if our marriage isn't strong, our family can't be strong. And so we made a decision, whatever it takes, we are going to decide that our marriage and our family is a priority. Let me challenge you with something. Sometimes we say, My marriage is a priority, or My children are a priority, or My relationships, or God is a priority. You know how you know what your priorities are? You actually can very easily, it's actually pretty easy to define what your priorities are. They are not what you say they are, they are what you spend your time on. That's the fact. And if you say that I love God, but you don't give him any time, or I, you say you love your spouse, but you don't give them the investment of time, or if you say my children are a priority, but you look at how you spend your time, if we spend more time watching The Bachelor, don't even let me get on that one, but if you're watching it, that's stupid. I don't know how to be more Canadian, but that's stupid. And there's a lot of other things you can watch that are stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid my little rant. But if we watch more time on television and sports than we do talking to our spouse or our children, we're deceived if we say they're our priority. I know I'm cutting a little bit there, but I want us to take a look at what am I actually investing my time into. And you know what um, priorities to me simply are? They are the unchanging values to which God has called us to live by. You see, I didn't decide my priorities. The Bible's very clear about how we are to live and conduct our lives. And if we're married, that needs to be a priority. And, and the greatest security that John and I can give our children is that we are giving our marriage the priority that it deserves. What do priorities do? I think what they help you do is they help you begin to decide where to put your time. And it's to me, when you know what your priorities are, it's a decision maker in my life. It's a bit of a plumb line. This is how I conduct my life. And what they do is they determine what your goals and long-range plans are. You see, if I want to not just be married now but stay married and go, you know, live with John happily for the rest of my life, if I want my children not just to feel like I'm doing good in this moment but build toward the future, everything I do today will determine the outcome of where I end up. And so it defines how I make choices and how I spend my time, how I treat him or my children how I value them, it all comes out of my priority of having not just a good marriage, but a great marriage. And you know, good is the enemy of great. Don't ever settle for it's good enough. Say, I want great. I want more than than what, what the world offers. I want what God offers exceedingly abundantly. The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. And that's how our marriages and our families should look. And so when you know where you want to end up, you, need to, you will begin to make decisions that are priority-based on that, where I want to go. Secondly, they give context to the purpose and the direction of my life. When I know that, for example, I want to be happily married for the rest of my life, to the, the love of my life, all of a sudden, other things come along that I just decide that can't be in my life. It eliminates distractions because that's the guy I'm going to be married to. Suddenly, Fabio over here can be quoting poetry, but I don't even hear him. Bad word, but Fabio. You know what I mean by Fabio. You don't know what I mean by Fabio? Some cute guy. You know, back when I was about 32, and somebody comes along that's 25. And I'm thinking, oh, he's kind of cute. I'm not interested, because I'm married to the man, love the man, see the man. He's all I see. Seriously, when he's on the platform last service, I still look at him, and I think, my, 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 my. Wow. (laughs) I get to be married to him. I've never been interested in anyone else. Never. Never. And it's not because he's cute. He is cute. But it's because I have set my heart and my affection on him. And when we're super wrinkly, we're already wrinkly, but when we are super, super wrinkly, I'm still going to look him on the platform and go, that's my guy. I will. Why? Because I set my affection on him. All of those distractions have been eliminated. I'm not even open to them. They don't interest me. Why? Because down the road, I already decided where I'm going. I have a priority. The other thing about priority that's huge is they bring balance to one another. Priorities though constant, have to be fluid, moving with seasons and circumstances of our lives. John and I have been through a few seasons. (laughs) We've par- You know, parenting seasons, empty nest seasons, John being a dentist season, John being a pastor season. We've had many seasons. Traveling, we didn't used to travel. Now we travel. How do we do this? Well, it always comes back to priority. How we run our life is based on the priority of a marriage that needs to be healthy at all cost. And nothing can get in the way of it. And if there are things in your life that you feel are stealing from your marriage and from your family, there's no time like the present to talk about it, not go, everything's wrong, but to go, what can we do about this? What can we adjust? What can we change? You see, when you're confident about your top priorities, you will be compelled to eliminate things that will distract, even people that distract. Not every relationship's healthy, and we need to get good at determining which ones are, and which ones are taking away from our destiny. We have, And you're also, you declutter your life. There's a lot of things that we can do with our lives, a lot of things John and I can do. But what is the best? We decide those together, and we move toward that goal and that objective. And I think priorities are freedom. A lot of people think, I don't want them. They bondage. No priorities and goals bring freedom. They bring clarity. They help you concentrate. And I believe that's what we need to get really, really good at. We live in a world that's all shouting for our attention. But there's certain things that demand our attention. And those are the ones that we need to focus on. Number two, this goes very closely with um, our first, but it's an outflow out of priorities. And this is simply, we have established date nights and family nights. Now our children are all married. They've all left the house. Um, They're gone um, out of our immediate home. Thankfully, they all live in the neighborhood. Yay. No one lives more than 20 minutes away, so I like that a lot. But we, a long time before they left the house, we had date nights. John and I had date nights. That we Once a week, John and I had a date. Once a week was family night. And this isn't old-fashioned. You think, oh, we don't have time for that. You don't have time not to. You just need to make sure that you have the priorities. You have to put the big things first. And, and we don't have time to go on the story, but one of the most beautiful stories ever, and John may share this tomorrow, is about how he learned the value of dating our daughters. And when our, youngest, our eldest daughter was just eight years old, just this one miraculous night, John realized the power of having a date with his eight-year-old daughter and the miracle of that. And when he saw the wonder of this date, He began to date each one of our daughters once a month without fail. And you know what? He still does. He still does. And it got bigger because now he's got grandkids. (laughs) And I love that. One of the things I love the most about my husband is how much he put. Because every time he would take one of our daughters on a date, I felt like he was taking me on a date. It was putting insurance, and that's not the right word, but it just brought reassurance to my heart. And because of him making that a value and a priority, that when the men came knocking on the door, the boys showed up, you know what, if they didn't measure up to dad, they didn't have a chance. That's a good thing. You set a standard. And do you know what I believe? That every time our girls saw dad and mom go on a date, they felt like they were going on a date. They thought that was very special. Now I watch as our children are navigating life and raising their own children how much they have taken from that. And I must give credit where credit is due. My parents, though my father passed away just three years ago, just 10 days after John's mother, that was a fun season. Christmas was in the middle. Ugh. But my mom and dad were crazy about each other, absolutely crazy about each other for 57 years of marriage. What a beautiful picture they painted for me and a standard that they put into our lives. John had some pretty big shoes to fill. I'm feeling, trying, you know, becoming. I had the man of my dreams in my father, and he showed me what to believe for. And then when things got tough, I believe it painted a picture for me, for what to believe for, a godly man who loved God. And I see that in my husband, beyond, beyond, and I believe the generation should get stronger because that's just like God. But I believe so much in family nights and date nights and family dinners just a little thought, I was reading a book a number of years ago now, but this has never left me. And the book is called Achieving Success Without Failing Your Family. And what they did was they studied a bunch of Fortune 500 companies. And there was a bunch of um, examples in here, I don't remember exactly how many they cited. But they were families that were very successful in business and very successful in family life. And all of these families had two common denominators. Number one, they worshiped together. And John and I were good at that with our family. And the number two one was having regular meal times together. And I am well aware that in the society that we live in today, how quickly we have given up on the family meal. And I'm not out here trying to be Betty Crocker and telling you all to eat at home. Not a bad idea because I think it's a lost art. It's where we learn to communicate, learn to express who we are. It's a forum where our children learn how to. And sadly, today, so many things are drowning out our voices talking to one another. You know, and we, are, we were precious about, back in the day, we had, in, when our children were being raised, there weren't cell phones so much, they weighed too heavy to bring them with you everywhere. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, today, I'm seriously at least have one night where there's no iPhones out and the televisions off but there's somehow you are connecting heart-to-heart and if it needs to be breakfast whatever it is just make it a meaningful time of connecting I believe so strongly in this and I believe that we need to bring it back to the dinner table somewhere where we can connect Somewhere where our children can have opinions and they be expressed and validated because the world isn't going to necessarily do it. And we as parents, or even if we're here you know, today as single parents and you're not, there's not the mom and dad, we need that safe place to grow and to flourish. And, and I believe there is so much to be said about family nights. And it's interesting that after our children got married... And family nights were not regular as they used to be because I felt like when you, they get married, you release them to build their own families. I didn't want to be, you know, we still do this. I just released them. And one day, they kind of had a little forum with them. The three girls got together and said, we miss family night. Can we reinstitute them? I'm like, yes. And so it's become, it's just who we are. And I've discovered there have been times where we have been out of the country, but they're all at our house eating dinner at our house together. <laughs> and you know what? I like that. I like it a lot. I like that they love coming home. My granddaughter for her 16th birthday, she's, her theme is my favorite things, and she said, can I have it? They call me Oma. Can we have the party at Oma's house? Because her house is one of my favorite things. I have said, of course. What do you want? You can have anything you want in the whole world. But I use the word traditions. Family traditions. And not all family traditions are good. But I actually believe in the value of establishing tradition into your family. We don't call it that per se, but things that are identifiably yours, uniquely the character. To me, they're like the unwritten history of the Burns family, to just define who they are. There's so much to be said about healthy family traditions, healthy things that you do as a couple, healthy things that you do as a family. And one of my, fit, well, my favorite movie in the whole wide world is the movie Fiddler on the Roof, which nobody even knows about anymore, it seems. Come on, that's my kind of people. <laughs> Poor John was dating me, but he liked me so much. He, I took him to the theater for a three-hour musical about Jewish people fleeing the country when he was dating me. I love this one. I know every song, every innuendo, and I love it. And in that song, the lead song is Tradition. And uh, anyhow, it's such a great movie. Young people don't watch it. You'll be thinking that lady's not says she liked it. But anyhow, it's, it's better than The Bachelor, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Way better, because it's stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> Traditions, what are some of the values? They provide stability. We all need constants in our life. And some things we can count on no matter what. You know what? The world could blow up in a lot of areas. You might go through crisis, like, for example, a parent dying or something happening, your marriage going through a crisis. But to try to remain with some constant traditions. And not just around Christmas. They're great. But I'm talking about the traditions of your family. People who grow up... It is said that if you grow up with a child with strong rituals, you will be much more likely to be resilient as an adult. I completely believe that. That's why I think it's important to integrate things like that into your family life. Um, okay, so this year, um, my kids often say, what do you want for Christmas, Mom? What do you want? And I'm like, oh, you know what? Nothing. I just like, I like a date with them um, just to spend time. i very close to my three daughters, and, and they always want to... What can we get, Mom? And they say I'm the hardest person in the world to buy for. I don't believe that. But, but I actually don't. Things, you know, whatever. You don't even do the shopping. Your children do. <laughs> He's a smart man. No, he got me a great present this year. But anyhow, that's a long story. But, you know, I did say, if you, I, there's something I want. There's something I would really love. And I got a little tender asking for it. I said, I would love to have a family manifesto. I want to have a declaration of who we are." And then I told them which wall I wanted it on. My girls are all very artistic and creative, and they're creating stuff all of the time. And I thought, I'd want this. And so I have this lovely big wall. And so on Christmas Day, they presented me with the family manifesto, which they wrote. And I saw Lindsay read it, who knows us, has known us for now the last 17 or 18 years. And she read it, and she said, I could read this anywhere I'd know. This is the Burns family story. It really is our traditions. Can I share it with you? It hangs in my hallway, and it just makes my heart happy every time I see it. It's massive. You can't miss it. It says on it, family gathers here. We value one another. We crave togetherness. We exhale in each other's presence. We are fiercely protective of each other. We're about being real not perfect. And in capital letters, it says, we are ridiculously loud. (laughs) It's really true, and I think it's, yeah, I'll come to why. We laugh until it hurts. That's true. We usually cry when we laugh, because we laugh so hard. John provides most of the laughter. We give without expectation. We are grateful. We say, I love you, without any special occasion. We break dance to polka classics. John is a great accordion player, hence, we are loud. We love to get together wearing matching PJs. We are forever loyal to the accordion. We serve astounding portions of dessert. We have notoriously clean floors. Sorry, I'm a little anal about the clean land, a little OCD. We feed the birds, we share licks of ice cream. We treasure hunt on the beach, which is just outside of our house. We do art. We hot tub. We play bingo. We love fluffies. Those are hot chocolates made with the espresso machine. And we love floats and espresso. We pray together and we play together. What is that? It's a story of who we are. And there would be many more components, but that's very special to us. It's identifiable. It's like there's all, the table's always set and there's a place there for you. The next thing I want to share that is core to who we are is we are very, very careful about our boundaries. How John and I and the children, how we've raised our children, it's very much about having healthy boundaries. They serve as guardrails to keep everyone in the family safe. We live in a world that sees a very disastrous decline and a lot of things going off the rails. Again, we as the church are called to be light, and hope in a hopeless world. And I believe by us being cautious and walking cautiously, carefully, honoring one another, we maintain boundaries. There are things that John and I know very clearly, what we will do and what we won't do. And we have honored that for 37 years. How we raised our children, there were just family values that sometimes other people, Christians included, didn't understand. Why are you so strict about that? Why do you do that? Well, they were unique to our family. And there were some things that were non-negotiables in our family. They were our boundaries. We talked to our children about how they dated and what was appropriate and what was inappropriate. We talked about the tough stuff. And we said, these are our values and these are our boundaries. And we are going to honor them as God gives us the grace and the ability to. And I believe it's kept us close. I believe it's kept us safe. Not without battles, not without challenges, but they are very, very important to us. Again, these boundaries have helped us reach where we want to go in life. They define what we will permit and what we won't permit. And how do we do this? If you don't have healthy boundaries, especially in marriage, it's been said that what gets neglected isn't protected. And so John and I decided not to be casual about our personal boundaries about what we watch on television or movies, what we say, who we're with. We're not, you know, like police, but we do coach each other to go the right way. And that's a very important value in what we do. Boundaries should focus you on your relationship with God. When you know your relationship with God is strong, there are just certain things, again, that you just don't engage in. You want to always keep your focus on your relationship with your spouse if you're married. If you're single here, you need to keep your, your boundaries intact, knowing this is my goal and where I want to go. Sometimes we think they only belong in a married couple's life. No, each and every one of us need to have clear boundaries that define who you are. But then as a married couple, you need to decide who you are. Then as a family... You need to decide who you are. This church has boundaries. This church has values that define who River Valley is. And because of that, it's healthy, it's safe. We all need them. They are so valuable. Don't ever compromise and think it doesn't matter. Because compromise will always cost you more than you can imagine. Because compromising is stepping away from something you truly believe in because you're not willing to fight for it. You need to fight for what you believe in. And then the last thought I just want to share quickly um, is living in the power of agreement. John and I decided we're a team. We're not going to let anything come between us. That if it's a yes and a no, if he thinks yes, we'll do it, and I think no, we shouldn't, then it's a no. Not because I said it. It's because we're going to walk in agreement. Because where there isn't agreement, everything evil can come into play. As a family, we decided to walk in agreement. Not always perfectly. Sometimes we really had to work hard on it. But we made a value, it's a family value, that we will walk in agreement. You know that fiercely protective over one another that you heard about in our family manifesto? That came out of agreement. We know one another's hearts. We know what we stand for. That We know we're not perfect. And we're very clear about saying you don't have to be. But we are absolutely precious about moving together in harmony and agreement because in that place is safety and protection and blessing. And uh, Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Or in the message, I love it, do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? We have got a destiny and a purpose in God and we want to get to the same place. I did say it was the last one, but I promise this is it. You need to pray together. It is an absolute family value. And you know what? I just need to read this little statistic. I think this will convince you. Because such a deep intimacy is forged in the heart of prayer. Look at these statistics. In North America, one of two marriages are ending in divorce. One of three marriages that began in a church are ending in divorce. One of five couples that receive premarital counseling and are married in a church end up divorced. And yet only one out of 1,250, which is still too many, but only one out of 1,250 marriages between couples that regularly pray together end in divorce. It is an amazing statistic, but I'm going to tell you, there's few things the enemy would fight as hard as you being a family, a couple, praying together. Because when you bow your knee in reverence for God as a couple or as a family, all of hell trembles. And you know what? Don't be overcome with evil. We live in a world, the statistics aren't great, but I refuse to look at the statistics and say, you just can't really help it. I look at it and I think, I'm not going to be overcome with evil, but I'm going to overcome evil with good. You know what, your families, your marriages, your relationships are precious. Honor them and protect them because you can. And can I just say this again, church, it's not too late. You might feel like too much has already happened. How do we turn this around with God? all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have shown us clearly in your word what we need to do to have your very best. And God, I just pray today that as your presence is here, God, we just sense you are here. And God, I just hear you speaking to hearts to say, there's hope. Some of you have sat down as it were, and given up. It just feels hopeless, and I hear the Spirit of God speaking, saying to you, get up, get up. Don't stay there, get up. But don't get up in your strength, get up in God's strength. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Some of you are facing those impossible situations. And God has, I believe, sent me here to just give you this word that there is hope. Don't give up. It's way too soon to give up. God, I just speak hope and life. Your promise, which is yes and amen. God, you promised that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. And so today, God, I ask for your spirit to move upon each individual upon each couple and each family. And God, just as people are gathered here today, if there are some here today that have not yet given their life and their heart to you, I pray that in this moment, God, that they would reach out with their hand in their heart to say, God, here I am. I want to come home to you. And God, in that place, everything turns around. So Father, we just give each family member here, everyone listening online, we just give them to you. And trust you, God, to do miracles beyond our wildest dreams and expectation. In Jesus' name, amen.